Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode, and I felt called to share on a more personal level what led me from being an emergency nurse to essentially now an energy healer. There's a wide variety of stories and influences and things in my background that I could bring in today, though. I really am just going to share my story of what some would call a spiritual awakening and what I later learned was actually more of a spiritual emergency, a spiritual crisis. If those terms are new to you, don't worry, I will break them down a little bit more. Though there is such a evolution of consciousness happening in people right now, and I believe that highly sensitives with our special ability to attune to subtle energy, maybe especially affected by this. This is a good thing. This is a good thing to connect more with ourselves, connect more with deeper meaning in life, connect more with spirituality, whatever that means to you. However, what people don't often share about the spiritual awakening side, though I'm seeing this more, which I think is is helpful, is just how challenging it can be. So before we dive in, just a disclaimer and also a trigger warning that this episode is not providing any psychological or medical advice is simply sharing my story and my experiences. I encourage you to connect with your doctor or your healthcare provider, whoever that may be, when exploring your own physical or mental health or any symptoms you may be experiencing. And also a trigger warning for basically connecting to a little bit more intense energies and I won't go into the deep and scary places as they're not always the most useful to bring out in this format. I share them more deeply in other places, though. For those of us who are highly sensitive, which are a lot of us, there's just some bigger themes in today's episode. So nothing particularly specific with this trigger warning, but just bigger energies here. So with saying that, I haven't even properly introduced myself, that my name is Lisa Matthews, as you'd heard in the intro, and really I am a highly sensitive, walking a spiritual, conscious path. I'm also living an everyday kind of life. I go to the grocery store, I go on camping trips, I go just do the things of life, and yet the spiritual essence within my life is extremely important to me. So this has, of course, been reflected in my work, and I support highly sensitives who are really on this spiritual journey of self-discovery, of really building a life that celebrates and supports their gifts, while also helping people to really learn more about the challenges from both a nervous system and energetic level including tools and practices to better navigate them. So I invite you to grab a cup of tea and settle in as we take a bit of a walk down my memory lane. So I'm often asked, how did you get into this work? How did you end up in this place of, in terms of my actual training and background, being a biodynamic craniosacral therapist, flower essence practitioner. I hold circles and workshops and group programs. And when people find out my background is in nursing, especially when it comes to my background in emergency nursing and research nursing, 
I can be a little bit surprised. Now, it's not uncommon for nurses to bring in alternative healing or to bring in, say, Reiki into their work. There are a lot of actually beautiful nurses out there who are really deep into the spiritual arts. I was not one of them. When I think back to my late teens, early 20s, I was not on any kind of spiritual exploration. I had no idea about what energy healing was. Really, my biggest concerns were making sure my training was completed as I used to race bikes a lot. Road cycling, mountain biking, track cycling, cyclocross. I was really, really into bikes. And I kind of made my way through this part of my life where I raced and traveled pretty intensely, actually, for a number of years. And it was really when I got to my early 20s, when I got to that fork in the road, as many athletes do, where I had to decide, okay, am I going all in? Am I fully committing to this path? Or do I shift this down into more of a hobby and start to pursue some more education, go to post-secondary school? What am I doing in life? So by some funny circumstances, I ended up in Australia. And I went there because quite honestly, I lived in Vancouver at the time. I was just tired of training in the rain for those that have never visited Vancouver, it's, uh, it's a beautiful city, it's a wonderful place to live, and it's very, very rainy. Just that slow kind of soak in, always feels cold in your bones kind of rain. So an opportunity came up for me to move to Australia so that in our winter here, I could go train in their summer. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. So I booked a flight and off I went. And that was my first experience of perhaps really what a lot more of the average person would have experienced in their late teens and early 20s. I took a few weeks off before starting training to travel and explore. And I was like, oh, well, this is actually pretty fun. Got into the party scene a little bit, though, honestly, let's be real, highly sensitive. I really had so much of a tolerance for it, but uh, I'm still impressed by how much I actually did back then. So I ended up at the end of this whole adventure where I kind of thought, okay, I've had my travel time, I've had my Australia time, and it's kind of making some bigger life decisions at that fork in the road, like I was saying. And I actually really realized, you know what? I want to stay here. I want to stay in this beautiful country. And of course, at the time there was a boy involved. That wasn't something that lasted for all that long, but it was still a pretty important part of life because it provided me with a pretty strong motivation to get a visa. So my options for getting a visa were to basically get married to this guy which I wasn't quite ready for, or to go to school. So after a little bit of thinking, I really had a pivotal conversation with a friend of mine who was actually another racer on my team at the time who was a nurse. And I'd always been interested in medical things, but I knew that med school was not in my path. I always knew that was not going to support me even though at that stage in my life, I didn't really understand my sensitivity. Not saying that highly sensitives don't make fantastic doctors. They make excellent, excellent physicians. But I knew that wasn't for me. So going back to that conversation with that friend of mine, it kind of felt like a great middle road of really diving into the clinical side. And yet it wasn't quite the pre-med, med track and I decided kind of quickly, okay, pretty much in that moment, <laughs> I decided, okay, I'll be a nurse. Sounds great. And 
and I applied and I got accepted and off I went. So I was at this stage had been back in Canada just to finish off my last racing contract and I moved back to Australia kind of for good so I thought which was in itself a little bit challenging pretty close to my family here so it kind of I feel like that was almost a first initial shift in my experience of what's meaningful in life and what matters in my life but I was also pretty stubborn and really wanted to stick it out so I went did that first year of nursing it's like okay I can see some elements of this that aren't quite fitting with me, but I'm going to continue, carry on. So I finished my nursing degree, long since no longer with the original boy from Australia. <laughs> Lovely fellow. And I really, really knew in my bones, even though I was, I would not have described myself as an intuitive person back then, but I knew right from that first year of nursing that this is not going to be me long term. But it was a place to start. So I ended up working in a wide variety of areas over my nursing career. To kind of fast forward over the next few years, I had met my partner also in Australia, who's now my husband. And I had a wide variety of experience in nursing from renal nursing, to stroke rehab nursing, to day clinics, which as a side note was definitely the best place for my nervous system to work. Night shift and that lack of sleep and switching body clocks, that was was pretty challenging for my nervous system. I spent a fair bit of time as a clinical research coordinator working on trials for new pharmaceutical drugs that were coming down the pipeline. That was a very enlightening experience without getting into it too much. And it was very interesting to see how the trial process truly works and really start to understand what our scientific research at that medical level was all about. So I really, really found my home in emergency nursing. I get that's completely ironic when you think, aren't you highly sensitive? Wouldn't that have been completely overwhelming and overstimulating and a lot? And it definitely was. <laughs> and at the same time, part of me really thrived on the pace of it and the really instant gratification of it someone comes in in a particular point of pain and you really have a lot more autonomy as a nurse in, in the emergency ward. So I, I really enjoyed working there. So I, I knew and I could feel that it was starting to kind of wear me down. So I ended up uh, pursuing a postgrad in emergency nursing and it was really over this time when I was starting to really explore alternative ways of healing. I wanted to know what else was out there, especially when I saw clients, I still think of them as clients, even though we call them patients more in the medical system, that would be just coming in, I think back to when I was giving infusions, they would come in month after month after month for years, receiving their same infusion of whatever it may have been. And I'm actually not against medical drugs. I actually think they can be a beautiful tool to give people's lives back. So I just want to add in that little caveat that even if I sound really hesitant on some of the medical work that, that goes on, there's a time and place. We have some beautiful tools in the Western medical system. Our diagnostics are pretty incredible. But what was starting to kind of eat away at me was, isn't there more? Isn't there more exploration these people can do? And at that stage, it was still a them and me. I'll uh, explain what it's like to be a patient in a little bit. <laughs> and I was really starting to question things. So I'd actually enrolled in a program for manual osteopathic therapy. 
So without really getting too down into that rabbit hole, I think osteopathy is a fantastic modality, but that's actually where my journey started. That's where I started to realize how much more there is to our bodies. And I thought I'd taken a lot of anatomy in nursing school. I had no idea when I got into osteopathic school, it was a whole other can of worms. So in Canada, we are called manual osteopathic practitioners, and at that stage would have been a student in different places. They'll just be referred to as osteopaths, so I'll often just refer to them that way. So I started that, and I got through the first year of it being a little bit over overdoing things, just a bit. So I was taking multiple courses, and the first year of... The osteopathic program is quite intense, and all the years are, I'll be honest. And that first year, though, they, they kind of warn you at the beginning, like, this is a big shift. So there was a lot of work, a lot of challenge, because we're practicing on each other. And in essence, it's a, a way of looking at the body as an interconnected whole, which I really liked. That really drew me. And... We looked at everything from how past accidents would have affected a person through to how their organs are functioning. And this is all from a palpation level, from a perception level, using our hands. So again, as a highly sensitive, I felt like, even though I didn't know and didn't call myself that at the time, I thought this makes for some really interesting work. It was really firing up my mental side because as highly sensitives we often think really deeply so i was starting to make all these new connections between health healing the body and it was a really exciting time but as i'd started saying earlier i was kind of overdoing it was taking another course as well as the first year in osteopathy as well as working in two different units and still mountain biking, and still having a full social life. There was not that much resourcing or self-care or slowing down for me in that particular year. And one of the reasons why I'd signed on for so much was because I felt like I was just missing something. At that stage in my life, by all intents and purposes, it looked like I'd made it. I'd kind of tick society's boxes. I had a fantastic job, great income. I was starting to explore a little bit more of interesting things in terms of new courses. I had a really, really supportive, wonderful partner who I'm incredibly grateful for, who stuck by me through all of my health journey, which was just beginning at this stage. We lived right in downtown Vancouver in this cool little section of town. Like we had a really cool life from the outside. But inside, I just felt really empty. And I was really confused. I'd worked really hard to get where I was. I thought I had all the pieces of the puzzle. And I was at a place where... It just wasn't making me feel that particularly, I didn't even need to be all that happy, but not even that content in life. So I think that yearning, that searching was really what initiated this whole adventure that I was about to go on. And it started with my physical self my physical body. I started having a little bit of knee pain here and there. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Hmm, Okay, I'll go. I'll go to an osteopath. I'll be all fixed up. Wasn't helping. I started to really have difficulty riding my bike because my knee hurt so much. It didn't make any sense to me. And it was a little bit frustrating because I thought with all of this training I have, Like at that stage, it was a nursing degree, a postgrad in emergency nursing, really getting started on the osteopathic journey. And it wasn't helping. If anything, it was actually getting worse. 
And it was getting actually really frustrating for me because I just was so confused. I really threw everything in the kitchen sink at getting my knee better. I went to acupuncture, which wasn't something I tried a lot of before. Went to chiropractors, physio, massage. I thought anyway that I was trying a lot. And while I would still consider myself pretty open-minded back at that stage in my life, I hadn't explored any type of really energy healing at that stage. I, I didn't have really a map for it. I didn't understand it. I didn't really have it in my sphere, my circle, my community. There was a little bit of a talk of kind of future, more advanced trainings in osteopathic medicine that was definitely more energetic in nature, but I was very much still of the steel and concrete world. I wanted to read a research paper on it, like, show me what the science says. It's kind of where I was at. So a long story short, on the physical level, my body continued to deteriorate and I continued to really have no answers. It ended up really accelerating to the point that I was at the hospital one day and I could just not walk properly. I thought, I'll go home, I'll rest, I'll be fine. I'll take a couple days off. And that was my last day at the hospital for about two years. I had no idea that I was about to embark on an incredibly in-depth healing journey that I had already been on a phase of it, but those were just kind of the initial phases. When things started to get really uncomfortable and I started noticing some circulation changes in my feet, that's when I'm like, okay, all right, I better, I better not do the typical nurse thing and ignore this in myself, whereas I would have told anybody else to go get checked out. So I was actually finishing a course that day, one of the osteopathic modules. And I caught a cab from there over to actually the hospital that I worked at. And I had actually done a clinical in that emergency department. So it feels really weird to present to your own ER when you know the doctors, you know the nurses. It's a very strange experience. So I got checked out. They didn't think there was anything emergent happening that needed to be dealt with right then. So they sent me home with a little bit of uh, some painkillers, some instructions, and just some future follow-ups to go to for imaging. And the next morning, things continued to really get worse. So I went, you know what? I got to go back. So I ended up going to the hospital that was much closer to my home as I worked across town. So it was in some ways just a little easier because I didn't really know anyone at that hospital. So I went and checked in and just told them what was going on. And then I ended up being admitted for a few days. They ran so many tests. They actually did a great workup of me. I was quite impressed. And on some level, I think I already knew what was coming. When the doctor came in on the third day, and at this point I wasn't able to walk at all, and I really struggled to be out of bed and sitting upright at all. So even though they had looked at all kinds of things from parasites, checked me out, and I'd had three MRIs by that point, which I thought was pretty impressive to get that quickly, CT scans, I was diagnosed with something called somatoform. But at the time, it was more or less a physical manifestation of emotion. I honestly took that as, we don't really know, but we have to give you some kind of label, some kind of diagnosis, and we've ruled everything else out. So I was discharged with some further follow-up in a couple weeks, and sent home in a wheelchair. I was then on a mission. 
I was going to figure this out. I started reading all about energy healing, distance healing, quantum mechanics. I really got into the work of a particular healer called Adam. Adam the dream healer. And he did some really intriguing work. I then went and got sessions with things like the emotion code and Reiki and I hadn't explored shamanic healing at that stage actually, but that was to come. And I really thought I could just figure it out. So at this stage, I kind of overestimated my abilities to read, to pay attention, to focus. And I was in just this deep, deep phase of needing to heal. So while I planned to really go on this big exploration, and it came over time, very slowly, I really had to spend just most of my days lying flat in bed. So this is when I really started exploring how past emotions and past accidents might have affected me. I got a sense of maybe how all of those hours training, really pushing myself past my limits, all the accidents from cycling, how they may have had an impact. I started to learn a lot more about how energy moves in the body, but this was all kind of surface level. I was just wanting to explore a little bit more. So I got Reiki, I had some theta healing, I think, done at that time. I started getting the emotion code because I'd heard that people just had miraculous changes where they went from being in a wheelchair to walking. And I was like, I need that. Where do I sign up? So I started exploring past the steel and concrete a little bit, though it was really a time where I just had to rest a lot. That was hard for an overachiever perfectionist that wanted to figure things out. Because this was the first time in my life where I wasn't doing 10 million things at once. There really was no escape. There wasn't much I could actually do at that time. I couldn't even really watch TV for very long before getting a headache and needing to rest. So it was like my life circumstances surrounded me to create this container of going inwards. And it was during this time where I spent so much of my day in this almost awake, almost asleep, you know that kind of really relaxed state when you're still conscious of things in your environment, but you're very inward, and also it's an extremely intuitive state, though I didn't know that at the time. That's just kind of where I naturally landed and spent most of my waking hours, <laughs> kind of waking hours, in that space. And it was here that I started to have what I thought of as waking dreams. I later had someone name them as visions was during this time that I started to hear voices and think, oh my gosh, I think I'm going crazy, which I have a much different definition of, by the way. And I thought I was going crazy until I actually asked, who are you? And I heard this name I'd never heard before. And I typed it into Google and it was a Greek goddess. That moment made me go, holy, insert whatever word you want to put there. That kind of freaked me out a little bit. I've never been one to study anything to do with Greek mythology. So I started paying attention more. I started to actually intentionally go into these states where I could see, sense, feel a different level. I started feeling drawn to just placing my hands on different areas of my body, and I didn't really know why, 
I just knew that it felt really lovely and that I could see, as in, in an intuitive sense, energy moving and things healing. So I figured, why not? I've got nothing else to do right now. I have no way to study my way through this. I'm just going to sit here and, well, really lie here and just start to feel energy. I got very well acquainted with how energy moved in my body. I had a lot of really intense experiences and it started to be really cool, actually. I thought, well, this is actually really fantastic. And I went from it being kind of this thing I explored a little bit to intentionally spending a lot of time there. And then I just kept going. On a physical level, I ended up healing quite quickly to an almost surprising degree. So I ended up feeling all this vitality, all this energy moving within, then I thought, this is fantastic. I feel great. And while I was a little bit on Bambi legs, I was walking again. I started to experience things like a really buzzing head, a buzzing crown, pressure right behind my eyes, behind my forehead. I started to experience these really big rushes of heat and overwhelming kind of rushes of energy through my body. I started to unknowingly make incredibly accurate intuitive remarks to people in conversation and they'd go, how did you know that? So I thought all this was pretty cool. And... When I got to this phase of being able to walk again, I was ready. I was just like, let me out there in the world. I've learned all these cool things about energy. I can feel so much. And I just felt so deeply connected. I sensed this deep interconnection between all of humanity, all of nature, and that we are all part of source, divine, God. I didn't really have a name for it. But that sense of emptiness, that void that I had felt, at that time it felt like so long ago, that was gone. And it was an incredibly beautiful, beautiful part of my awakening. And as I've alluded to at the beginning, this is when I went a little too far down the rabbit hole. And then I started to really seek out opening experiences. I went to psychic circles and I bought my first of many crystals. I'd never even owned a crystal before then, or maybe when I was a kid, but suddenly my room was just filled with all these beautiful crystalline energies. So I had found this incredible place of being, yet things changed really quickly and went downhill really fast. And for this whole period of time, sleep had been a bit of a challenge, but it became much, much harder to do. I was feeling a really heightened state of energy for an extended period of time. And I found even just lying down to go to sleep just felt almost like too much. It just felt challenging. Now, we humans, and especially as highly sensitives, really do need our sleep. Some pretty wild things start to happen when we aren't able to. And things expanded so fast and so far in me that I really lost touch with reality. And I ended up having a complete mental breakdown. 
I was taken to a locked psychiatric facility, to a mental hospital. And it was there that I was finally able to sleep again. It was a chemically induced sleep. But my body sure appreciated having that time. But when I woke up on that second or third day there, when I fully realized where I was and what had happened, the most intense feelings of shame bubbled up within me. I remember sitting in my room. There's a little bit of light coming in from a window that was there. And feeling so incredibly lost. All I wanted to do was return to my former way of being where I'd never heard of energy, intuition, consciousness, crystals. I wanted nothing to do with it all. And I remember the psychiatrist there saying how surprised they were at me, how fast I had quote-unquote recovered from what they viewed as a psychotic break. Now, I hadn't been running around downtown yelling or anything like that. For the most part, it was much more of an inward experience. But it was pivotal. And when I was released, when I was allowed to go home again, I tucked away all my crystals I put away all books to do with energy healing, to do with the mind. And I was afraid. I was afraid to go anywhere near them. But almost, almost worst of all, my knee pain, which had improved so much over that time, was back. And I also felt completely ostracized from society, from my relationships. I think about our general ability as a culture to talk about things like this. Go to hospital because you broke your leg? Sure, probably everybody in your great aunt Betty is going to hear about that. Go to hospital because you lost track of the steel and concrete world? Whoa, no one seemingly wants to go there. No one wants to hear about that. I didn't want to share about that. And my road to recovery from all of this was really long. Nothing to do with intuition or at that stage the spirit realm felt safe to me at all. I just wanted to leave it alone for a while. So thankfully, my knee pain and the other symptoms had healed a massive, massive amount. So I was, after a few months, which was way too soon, but I was, after a few months, able to go back and just pick up what I thought was going to be a, a light and easy job. I thought I'll just pick up something to make a little bit of money, get out of the house. And I wasn't ready to go back to nursing yet, so I just picked up a receptionist job. That was a mistake. <laughs> it was in a multidisciplinary clinic, so I got to meet lots of really neat practitioners. But that is when I started to really realize what I think of as now spiritual sensitivity. I also really struggled with the trauma of this time and my nervous system was on red alert 
day in, day out for a long time. So having multiple phone lines going off, as well as people coming to the counter, as well as other jobs to complete all at the same time, that's hard for a highly sensitive at any point in life. But this in particular was not my smartest idea. But I was just looking for some semblance of normality. So I stayed there for a little while and realized, okay, this isn't that helpful for me. I should go and just try to heal. Because at this point, it was my own sense of confidence, my own self-esteem, my own sense of who I was that needed healing. And I was, I call this time, the 10-minute radius time. This was when I could go for a walk about 10 minutes from the house before my knee pain got just a bit too uncomfortable to continue. And that was my outside time. So while I was incredibly grateful and honestly very lucky to have had such supportive relationships in my life, especially with my partner and my family, I felt like nobody understood what I'd gone through. That I'd had this beautiful kind of look behind the veil in a sense. This beautiful connection to helping spirits as well as this deeper connection. And then to have had it all go so, so sideways. So I felt pretty alone at that particular area in life. Everything changed one day when I actually went to see my general practitioner, my family physician. And she was just touching base with me, seeing where I was up to. And she said, you know what, Lisa, I know you went through this really hard experience and I actually don't think you have a mental illness. I think you went through something called a spiritual emergency. I was intrigued, but I'd never heard of this before. And she recommended a book by Stanislav Grof, which is essentially a collection of stories of people who have gone through some type of awakening turned crisis. So I went out, I found the book, And as I read it, I was completely taken aback. It was like other people had been inside my head describing these experiences almost to a T in some cases. I'd had no background for any type of spirit contact before all of this had begun. And yet here were people describing these same experiences, and in some cases, even a similar kind of pain on a physical level, I'm meaning their body pain. So I was completely shocked. I thought I was this completely alone person and that I didn't have any direction to really heal. And here was this book from 1989, that was completely shedding a new light on what I'd experienced. So a spiritual emergency is really when this inner time of personal transformation, when it really becomes a crisis, when it really can tear a person's world apart. And in the West, in our culture here, we don't often have any other way of looking at it, aside from labeling it as a mental illness. This is not to say that mental illness doesn't exist, or that people can't have one or the other or both at the same time, a spiritual crisis or emergency and mental illness. Sometimes it's very hard to distinguish one from the other. Or sometimes they overlap. But what this new perspective gave me was that maybe I hadn't just completely gone quote-unquote crazy. 
maybe I hadn't completely lost touch with reality, but that I'd opened to a bigger reality that I had seen beyond this 3D way that we live. And at the time, though, I didn't have any any guidance. I didn't have someone to help walk me through this, whereas in other cultures, in Eastern cultures or more indigenous cultures, they will tend to have a medicine man or woman help someone through these experiences. So after learning that actually I was not alone, I started to really feel quite differently about everything. And I was still scared that it might happen again, and I was still really cautious and very unsure, but I very slowly, like dipping toe in the water and then go back a few steps, kind of slowly, started exploring and reclaiming these parts of myself that I had really pushed away quite hard. So fast forward now a number of years later, and since that time, there has and probably will always be levels of healing that I do with this. But I first started sharing more openly about this experience about two years ago. And I still, to this day, will get an email just out of the blue from someone saying, I really needed to hear that. I've been through something similar. I had no idea that there was another way of looking at this experience and considering, hey, maybe there's something else going on here. Now, I have written about this on my website. It's on my blog. I've talked about it in numerous circles. And it's something, this idea of spiritual transformation, this spiritual awakening, it's something that we often talk about as having this sort of the, the rainbows and unicorns and sunshine. But it can drag you through the mud of your existence. And honestly, it, for me, was a good thing. I probably would have preferred to learn it a different way. But I feel like the gifts of that experience have continued to multiply to this day. Now, there was a lot of healing work in there. So I'm in by no means uh, wanting to just brush over, oh, I learned what a spiritual emergency was and that was it. I was suddenly healed. There was a lot more to, to be worked on. And I started still where I was comfortable. I started with the nervous system. That was a bit more steel and concrete to me, even though we can't really see it, touch it in the same way as, say, skin. But that's where I started with the craniosacral training. So I started learning more about chronic pain, which I prefer the newer term of persistent pain. So even though I had pain for a number of years, about three years, it really opened up my eyes to the power of the nervous system. And I believe that the nervous system is our interface to our energy systems, to our chakras, meridians, to where our chi flows, our prana flows. There's a number of different systems to look at our energy and how they interact with our body. So I think after all this to say, the depths of peacefulness that I can now feel and that sense of surrender and acceptance to an experience is really only learned, for me at least, through first-hand experience. I could read about being compassionate to oneself in a book. I could read about the importance of becoming who we are and connecting with our true nature. I could understand that at a logical frontal lobe level, Though until I had walked through that over a period of years, first beginning with the physical breakdown, followed by the mental breakdown, until I'd really walked through that, I didn't understand what it meant 
to be a soul in a body. And the more I learn, the more I think I know, the more I know I don't know. And that's the fun of it. That is the adventure of it. That is the the work and the playfulness of this life. So with sharing this today, I felt really called to, I've actually been feeling called for about two weeks to sit down and record my story in, I was going to say in full, but there are a lot more chapters that I haven't covered here. And they're not all necessary to cover, and I don't share every aspect of myself. Some things are my own personal, private journey, and some things I feel called to share. So if you are someone who has walked this journey, or are walking this journey, there is support for you. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to feel like you're the only one. And while this probably sounds like the opposite of the, I don't want to use the word advice, but the opposite of the encouragement that I would, you would think I would give. But if someone is in a very expanded state and there hasn't been a foundation of grounding, there hasn't been a time for integration in their life, and a lot is happening really fast on an energetic level or an intuitive opening level, my biggest suggestion is to slow down. It's actually to take breaks from it, to put all the amazing books and the incredible crystals and the deep connections that we are are re-finding in this life but just to actually pause in them for a little bit and go do something that's just really using our body. Going for a walk or a run, doing the dishes, simple things. I remember hearing and and reading about if people would be opening really quickly that, say in a monastery, they would have that person run for miles and miles a day. And I remember thinking back to when I was having to lie in bed pretty much all day and think, well, I couldn't run. I physically couldn't run to move all this energy. And so what was I have, you know, what was I supposed to have done? But for me, it reflects back that I do think this was part of my path Maybe not to have gone quite as far down the rabbit hole as I did without support. But at the same time, the gifts that it's given me, the sense of peacefulness, the contentedness in life, knowing how temporary everything really is. I don't know if there's any other way I could have learned those things or can continue to learn them. So your journey may have been more extreme or less extreme than mine, though know that there's even in Canada anyway, there is a even a toll-free support line, just someone to call and get in contact with, to ask questions. And I'm going to put all of the links in the notes for the show, as well as the Actually, a couple books, I haven't mentioned them all, but Spiritual Emergency by Stan Groff, In Case of Spiritual Emergency by Catherine Lucas was also fantastic. And I'll pop all these down in the show notes. Spiritualemergence.net is a fantastic resource and has some really great practitioners, such as transpersonal counselors, and a wide variety of people that are highly trained to work with those who are walking this really challenging path through a spiritual crisis or emergency. I think opening up in this way has really supported me in my life and my work in the sense of feeling those very subtle energies and trusting my intuition. It's such a common phrase to say right now, oh, just trust yourself. 
Trust your sense, trust your gut feeling. There is a lot to unpack in those statements. And if you've ever struggled to do that, you're not alone. So while I will probably continue to do healing work on these layers of myself, I really felt called to share this right now. It's been building up and the timing has come. So I hope that this is reaching you at a time when it's supportive and helpful for you. If you know of someone who's gone through an experience like this, feel welcome to send this episode over to them. So hopefully that shed a little bit of light on how I've come from a nurse who worked in the hospital, all the crazy shifts of that kind of life, through to now having this soul-centered practice and holding space for people to discover their own inner gifts. It's also why I firmly believe in the phrase I've kind of come up with called grounded intuition. There's a lot of ways of opening up out there. And sometimes when we're kind of primed and ready, we can open up really fast. Sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's not. If I've learned anything through this, it's that there's really no rules. But I really encourage you to reach out and to get support from someone who is is well-versed in this and well-trained. This is simply a sharing of experience that the road gets a lot easier with company. So wherever you are in the world, there's a very good chance there's a spiritual emergence group of some description, whether that be a organization or something a little bit more peer-led. But in short, I encourage you to slow down, to keep connection with the 3D reality with the steel and concrete world as you're opening up and to find a community, to find connection, someone that you can just speak to openly about what you're experiencing. So I'll also put a direct link to that practitioner list that I mentioned earlier as well. Okay, well, we've had a different episode today and I just wanted to Kind of have a more personal episode as well. A lot of the episodes so far have been sharing practices or sharing tools, which is, I believe, great. Of course, that's why I'm sharing them. I think when we can expand our toolbox, it can be even, even better for us. It can be really helpful. And while I haven't gone through a lot of them today, if you did want to have some practices to soothe your spirit and nourish your nervous system, you can head over to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash soothe your spirit. And I'll send over my five S's to soothe your nervous system. And with all that being said, we are gathering in just a couple of days as a little reminder for the Awakening HSP Circle. So we'll meet on Wednesday, April 15th at 7 p.m. PST. And this month's theme is all about our menstrual cycles, transforming our energy and finding deep healing by connecting with our cyclical nature. So as always, our monthly circle can be found at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. So feel free to save your spot or just come read some more if that calls to you. And with that, we'll move today's episode towards a close. As always, if you want to stay in tune with the newest episodes and you can just hit that follow button on whichever platform you're listening on, most of them have it. And if you felt called to leave a review or to rate this podcast, that would be absolutely appreciated and wonderful. So take a few minutes now to, if you've been deeply listening, to transition slowly back into the rest of your day. Just feeling your feet on the ground. 
maybe looking around the room a little bit, just reorienting to your space. Feeling a connection to your physical self and just tuning into perhaps a place that feels nice in the body, that feels good. Even if that's holding your tea mug, which by now is probably long empty. Have a beautiful rest of your day, everyone. And until next time, bye for now.